All right, I'm going to have to talk fast this morning because uh, we got to get through this. This is cold out here. I appreciate you guys coming out. It's, uh, it's difficult in conditions like this, but um, I do believe that God has something for us today. Lord, thanks a lot for this morning. Just thanks for what you're doing in our lives, just uh, for the opportunity to be here. Speak through me and uh, just share your truth with us in a way that uh, is relatable, even on this cold, wet, windy day. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question today is, is God asleep? And uh, I know that's kind of a strange question coming from a preacher. And usually if a guy were to say that, it would be a rhetorical question. But really, I mean, have there ever been a time in your life where you felt like God just isn't paying any attention? Your prayers just bounce off the ceiling. If they even get that far, is God asleep? A few, uh, a few rounds ago, I was able to speak, uh, and, and I gave that dreaded message, the money message, and talked about uh, finances and how we ought to be given to God the first part of our, of our, uh, our, our money, and talked about how I, there was a point in my life where I was broke and in debt, and I, I tithed my way right through that and got out of debt and into ministry and been in ministry full time, but, but things have gotten really tight here lately. And um, I might have to go out and get a job, which isn't something to be afraid of. I'm a hard worker, but uh, it would affect, it would impact the ministry of Team Faith because if I'm working nine to five, I won't have the opportunity to go and do freestyle shows or do summer camps during during the GNCC break. And and uh, so I was really exploring, God, what do you want from me? Do you want me to continue doing Team Faith full time or just do GNCC uh, and, and get a job. And it's become evident that I need to do something pretty quick and get a job. So after that message, I actually interviewed with one of the manufacturers that has product on this series and, and uh, talked with them about uh, employment. And the interview was going really, really well up until the very end. And they started talking about weekend work. And I took the opportunity to say, you know, I'm on the GNCC series and I'm a well-respected member of that community. I'm on Vendor Row. I have a lot of, uh, I'd like to think I have maybe not a lot, but at least a little bit of influence with your customer base out there. And this could be a mutually beneficial arrangement. It's 13 weekends a year that I'll be out there representing Team Faith. And also, you know, if, if you would want, you give you some exposure on Vendor Row. And I uh, would like to think that that would benefit both of us. And there was a long pause on the phone. This is just the first interview. There's a long pause and they said, no, we don't think so. <laughs> said, is that a deal breaker? I said, well, yes, it is, because I, I really believe I'm supposed to be on GNCC. And between you and me, I do believe with all my heart that this is where God wants me to be. And uh, so that was, that was a deal breaker with that manufacturer. And, and since that time, that was back in May, and since that time, I have polished up the resume, and I've been putting it out there, and I've been calling everybody that I know in the industry saying, hey, I need to get back into the industry and looking for employment, and there's been nothing. And, uh, and the finances, as Elijah, the Old Testament prophet, uh, God sent him up to the mountain, and there was a stream of water and a raven to bring him food every day. And then the next verse says, the stream dried up. And then Elijah had to go to the widow's house, and, and there was just enough flour and oil for one last meal. And I'm at that point right now. I mean, if I don't do something this month, then when you call me, you'll get that dial tone and say, this number is no longer in service. And this message is not about, man, I need your money. God's doing something in my life, and I'm excited about it, but I didn't arrive, I was not excited about it just a few days ago. So nine years ago, when I surrendered my life to Christ, I said, all right, I'm all yours. If you want me to preach, I'll preach. I knew at that moment that if I was going to preach, if that's what God wanted from me, I had to be open and transparent and vulnerable about where I was in my life. And so let me just read to you an excerpt from my journal. This is my journal, also where I keep my notes for messages. 
But I'll, I'll sometimes write out my prayers, and, and I kind of had it out with God just a few days ago. And here's some of what I wrote. I said, uh, I said and so I struggle, and the struggle gets worse. And I silently wonder, does God care? Is there sin in my life? What's wrong with me? Why is there that passage, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart or seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. These promises, they don't seem to apply to my life. Other people, sure, but me, it's unanswered prayer, no sense of God's presence, no leading. Is God asleep? And I share that with you because I've been in your, I've been in the pews and I've seen the guy in the suit and the tie who says, yes, we all struggle, and I had no idea what he was talking about, but I hope you can relate. Has there ever been a point in your life where, God, are you asleep? (laughs) Do you hear anything that I say? Do you care? Other people, sure, they seem to have your ear, but what about me? Of course, there is a time in the book of Matthew, Matthew the disciple, he records a time that God was asleep. Of course, we believe that Jesus was God's own son come down to this earth to show us the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to reveal to us the way. He was the way, the truth, the life. He was God. So God, asleep in the boat. And Matthew relates this story, and I'll just read it briefly for you. And when he got into the boat, Jesus, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and they woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And so here the disciples are, the 12 of them, out in this boat. And if you'll recall, half the disciples are seasoned fishermen. We are seasoned travelers. Uh, I was here, I got here Thursday, and by uh, Saturday morning, yesterday morning, uh, the wind on top of this mountain ridge, as you know, is significant. (laughs) And yesterday morning I woke up, and that end of Vendor Road, there was just canopies and easy-ups everywhere. Derisi Racing lost their canopies, Uh, Tire Blocks lost their canopies, I lost canopies and snowshoe. I know what a wind storm is. I know what a storm is. I've been on the interstate before driving a tractor trailer when they pulled us all off the road and said, you can't go down the interstate anymore until this storm passes because trucks are being blown over on its side. I know what a wind is. So last night when I was sleeping in the box van, it's comfortable. I got heat in there. got a nice little bed in there, and it's all good. But it's just shaking back and forth. And I wasn't scared. I'm a seasoned traveler. This... This is nothing, really. Yeah, right now it's kind of cold, it's uncomfortable, but this is nothing. This is nothing to be afraid of. The seasoned fishermen were out in a boat, and they were terrified that they were about to die. Not an insignificant event for these guys that had been out there all of their lives rowing on the Sea of Galilee. They knew what they were up against, and they were afraid. And yet, Jesus, here's the offensive part, Jesus was asleep. In their greatest hour of need, Jesus was asleep. And not only was he asleep, as if that's not offensive enough, when they wake him up, he rebukes them. Why are you so afraid? <laughs> have you ever been you ever been in a life or death situation? I have. I'm sure that every one of us can remember this. And I know that we talked uh, we talk about crashing dirt bikes, my life flashed before my eyes. Usually when that happens, it's oh, this is gonna hurt. <laughs> But I was going hunting one morning. I was supposed to meet my friends at, at the cabin in southern Ohio. I lived in Dayton at the time. It was a two-hour drive, so I had to get up at like 2.30 in the morning. And, and it was a winter day, and I was driving my truck. Uh, I loved that truck. It was a bright red Silverado. had custom wheels on it. And I'd had it my whole time through the Army and paid it off and loved that thing. And was driving my truck to go hunting. 
and uh, in the dark, I got lost. I, I missed my turn, and this is before the days of GPS, and so I'd pull over, look at the map, and say, oh, there's a little country road that will take me back to where I need to be, and uh, if I get on it, I can still be at the hunting cabin in time to go out to the woods to the tree stand. And so I was not speeding, but I took this little cut through, and I was at a quick pace. And you know how it is when you're late and you're frustrated and, you, and you're just, anxiety is probably the best word to describe it. And that's where I was. And there was a little yellow sign that said, we have a left-hand turn coming up 15 miles an hour. No problem. I applied the brakes so I could slow the truck down and nothing happened. Didn't realize it, but I was on black ice. And uh, the truck went straight off the road and through a barbed wire fence. And my initial thought was, oh, man, I just scratched up my truck. And I was mad because I scratched up my truck. And I'm bouncing through this field. And all of a sudden, the ground just disappeared, just gave away. It was a complete Thelma and Louise moment. (laughs) Off over a cliff, pitch black, and my life flashed before my eyes. I knew in that moment that I was going to die. And the good and the bad. The good is I did not scream like a little girl. <laughs> the bad is I yelled the F word all the way down. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to die. And it's amazing. Time to slow down. I could hear, the, besides hearing myself yell, I could hear the wind. And then I saw the ground rushing up. And it turned out to be about a 15-foot cliff. And I augered into the ground, just straight into the ground. And uh, I heard every piece of metal twisting and bending and crunch. I heard the frame bend. And I heard all the glass breaking. And then the truck augered into the ground, and it flipped up over on top of the cab. Flipped upside down. And, uh, and it was eerie. It was just silent. You could hear the, wind, the wheels spinning uh, upside down. And then I heard all the glass crackling. And it sounded, it sounded like an electrical fire. I thought, oh, my goodness. First thought was, I'm still alive. I can't believe this. Something's got to be broke, but I'm getting out of here. And I was able to unclip my seatbelt, fall to the roof, and kick the door open. As it turns out, God is so good. The only piece of metal, every piece of metal on that truck was bent. Every glass was busted except for the driver door. The driver door was the only salvageable piece of bodywork on that thing. And uh, had somebody been sitting in the passenger seat, the roof was crushed all the way down into the seat. But the driver's door was fine. I was fine. Ne- never even went to the hospital to get checked out. But I knew in that moment I was going to die. And you know what I did? I feared. I was afraid. The disciples in this moment, they are about to die. They know they're going to die. They know what the storm is. They are about to die. They are afraid. And Jesus rebukes them. And so I wonder, what were the disciples supposed to do? When we kind of look at this story in all my life, I've wondered, what were the disciples supposed to do? They're in a situation where they are about to die, and Jesus gets on to them. Maybe they're just supposed to let him sleep. Oh, guys, we're about to die. Jesus is asleep. You think we should wait? Nah, just let him sleep. <laughs> they're about to die. Maybe, maybe their approach was wrong. Maybe they're just supposed to go up to him. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, tap him on the shoulder. Jesus, hey, sir, I know that you're sleeping comfortably, but we're kind of in a situation here where it's really a tight spot. And if you could do anything about it, we'd be grateful for it. But if not, it's okay. We don't want to bother. I pray that way so many times. God, I know you can do this. But if you don't want to, it's okay. I mean, I understand you got plans for my life, and I approach Jesus like he's the sleeping Jesus in the boat. I don't want to bother you, but... So what were they supposed to do? You know, all my life, I've heard this story. I grew up in church culture, so I've heard this story all my life. And the answer is always, oh, you of little faith. If you just have enough faith, God can calm the storm. That ain't the point of the story. 
The point of the story is in that last sentence. What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? In Mark's account, Mark hung out with Peter after the resurrection and heard everything that Peter had to say. Mark's account of this, the disciples feared a great fear of Jesus when he calmed the storm. The disciples were afraid of the storm, and then they were afraid of Jesus. (laughs) What kind of man is this? As you read through the New Testament, you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus did miracles. He walked on water. He calmed the storm. Every single time that he did it, it was to prove that he could do what only God could do. That, uh, that he was God, that he was who he said that he was. He asked his disciples around the campfire one night, who do people say that I am? And, th- and then he said, who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. The point of this story is do not be afraid. And all through Jesus' ministry and all through his talks with his disciples, he constantly told them, do not be afraid. At one point, he sent them on a mission trip. And he said, uh, you guys are going to go out. And then he kind of related to a a time coming up in the future. There's going to come a time when you are arrested, when you are persecuted, when you are tortured, (laughs) when you are imprisoned, when you are put to death. But do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can kill the body and the soul in hell. Do not be afraid. And yet the disciples never got it. You remember the story of Jesus walking on the water another time out in the boat. Jesus isn't in the boat. They can't get anywhere. They're rowing and rowing and rowing all night long. And all of a sudden, in the early morning, they see this figure walking out across the sea to them. And they say, it's a ghost. And they are afraid. Because what do you do when you see a ghost? You are afraid. (laughs) And Jesus says, do not be afraid. In other words, you fail the test yet again. Do not fear. It is me. Oh, you of such little faith. You know, Peter, he gets out there and walks on the water. Oh, you of such little faith. Do not be afraid. Over and over and over. The last moment of Jesus' physical life on this earth before he's arrested, uh, they're talking, hey, we're going to stand next to you, Jesus. And Jesus says, "Now nah, you're going to deny me. Sure enough, the, the, he gets arrested. And the disciples, what do they do? They deny, they hide, they flee, they run. They're afraid. And yet at the end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the disciples, when they emerge in the book of Acts, they're fearless, completely fearless. What happened? It was an encounter with a resurrected Jesus. The ultimate enemy, death, was defeated. What else could you possibly fear? And that's the takeaway from today. Jesus, who defeated death, and he says, do not be afraid of those who can only kill the body and soul. Don't be afraid of that circumstance that's out of your control. Do not be afraid of that disease that can only take the body but cannot take the soul. Don't be afraid, Chuck. Don't be afraid of the electric company when they turn off your electric That's only something to do with the physical world. God's in control of the eternal world. That's who you need to fear. And so as I look at my life, I say, you know what? Doing all right. I've I've got an honest relationship with the creator of the universe. I think I'll be okay. I will not fear. Because I know the one that controls my eternal destiny, controls the body and the soul. He has a plan. He has a purpose. His hand is on my life. His hand is on this race course. His hand is on all of your lives. We do not need to be afraid. And as we face this world fearless, we enter into the book of Acts with the disciples who at one point were terrified. And then they go into the book of Acts and they're fearless. And they do get arrested and they do get imprisoned and they do get tortured and they do get beat. (laughs) And they're fearless. And that's our takeaway for today. Lord, thanks a lot for this morning. Just for a few minutes to get together. Uh, Be with us as we go. Keep our racers safe out there. And um, just uh, rescue us from our fears. Just reassure us in our moments of doubt that you're real, that you do care, 
that even though uh, a sparrow falls to the ground, you know it, you love us, and you're in control. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks a lot, you guys. Go do some jumping jacks. Get warmed up. (laughs) I'll see you out there on the track, all right?